0: George Santayana, I found out, is the one who is known for saying those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. The corollary for that would be something like, for those who learn from their experiences, life might not be so bad. As we get older, we want to pass along our failures to the younger generations so that their lives will be less painful and annoying than ours. And that's why when we took a family hike in Jefferson National Forest the day after Thanksgiving, I reminded our children about the blazes along the trail. See those bright yellow diamonds nailed to the trees I pointed out? Pay attention to those because if you don't, you get lost. The history is that some adults took Calvary's youth on a hiking and camping trip in this same area of Craig County. At first, the whole group was hiking together, but some wanted to go faster, while others wanted to stop now and then to check out the cool design in the bark or the little forest creatures, maybe locusts, I don't know. One parent was in the lead. My husband Brian and our dog Houston were somewhere in the middle, and I was with two of the youth at the caboose. At first, I didn't notice that the distance between us and those ahead of us had widened so much, but then it was quieter and the trail wasn't as obvious. And then I looked up and around and none of the trees had blazes on them. When I think of the wilderness, that's what comes to mind. It was a feeling of being lost. I can get around Virginia with a state map, and I can get around DC and New York and even Paris in subways, but I could not get out of the wilderness alone. I had no map, and I was shepherding two 12 year old kids. Do you have experience of being lost or stuck like this? The wilderness doesn't have to be a geographical place like it was for me or for John the Baptist in fact if I were honest other wilderness experiences have been much scarier than getting lost in the woods for example coming out of college and still not knowing what I wanted to do when I grew up I'm still not sure I know uncertainty about whether the young man I was dating was the one I wanted to marry eventually it was and days or weeks in my job when I felt incompetent or hopeless. These, too, are wilderness experiences. A few years after the death of Mother Teresa of Calcutta, many of us were surprised to read excerpts from her journal where she had written about her her hidden fears and her doubts about God and life. However, if we were surprised, perhaps we also were relieved. Because if Mother Teresa can have wilderness experience, experience, then it must be okay for the rest of us. Can you think of anyone who hasn't had a wilderness experience? And maybe that's why John started there, in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. Throngs of people were leaving the city for the wilderness. And do you find that odd? When I was lost in the wilderness, I wanted to get back to civilization. Most of us want to escape from the wilderness and get back to what we know, yet is there something about the wilderness that beckons us? Is there something about a deserted place that intrigues us, especially during this crazy month of joy and madness? Is that, in fact, why we are here in this place where we think we know what's going to happen, but we're not quite sure? We can look at the bulletin and see the order of service And feel a little bit in control because we know what's coming next. But what if we give over control from our hands and our minds to the active and forming hands of the Holy Spirit? And then the anthem may have brought surprising tears. Or a prayer made us sense a depth that we usually ignore. Or we heard something in scripture passage that we never had heard before. We are searching, and we look in various directions for guidance. A young man moved into his first apartment and asked a neighbor how to make coffee. She gave him step-by-step directions. And a few days later, they passed in the hall, and she asked how his coffee-making was coming along. And he said, well, to be truthful, it went okay at first, but lately... It's been really terrible. By the way, how often should I change the coffee? Sometimes we look to our neighbors for directions, or to friends, Google Maps, websites, yoga, prayer, music. Mark's gospel here tells us to look to John the Baptist for directions. Today we might call him John the Blaze, because in him we find a yellow diamond to help us know where the trail is. Imagine you're transferring to Roanoke College from Virginia Western. Before you sign up for classes, you visit the guidance counselor to find out what courses you need to take. What does the counselor say? Tell me which courses you already have taken. Before you know where to go next, it's important to have a sense about where you've been. What's your foundation? Listen again to how Mark starts his gospel. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's not even a complete sentence, and yet it's a foundation, because he leaps backward in the second verse to the prophet of six centuries earlier, and these words in Isaiah 40 of comfort and hope. Knowing the context in which the books of the Bible were written goes a long way toward helping us understand what the authors were trying to say and what they can say to us now. The book we know as Isaiah is comprised of at least two books and maybe three. In First Isaiah chapters 1 through 39, are written to the people of the northern kingdom as a sign of judgment. I mentioned this last week. We have the two kingdoms of Israel, the northern kingdom, which is the ten tribes, and the southern kingdom, which is Benjamin and Judah. Their capital is Jerusalem. The northern kingdom's capital is Samaria. And in the 8th century, I think the last date was 722. That was kind of the fall of the northern kingdom. And so Chapters 1 through 39 of Isaiah are written to that northern kingdom as a sign of judgment. This is what happens when you don't obey God. God starts working with the enemy. And so the Assyrians come in, invade, and conquer then the northern kingdom in the 8th century before Christ. Now chapter 40, today's lection, begins what scholars call Deutero-Isaiah, or 2nd. Isaiah, it was written well over a century after that to the southern kingdom around Jerusalem, which Babylon now has invaded and conquered. The temple at Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was where God lived in their perception. So many people have scattered. Others have been deported to Babylon, and this was wilderness time. Most times when we are uncomfortable, we crave comfort. Doyle Van Gelder tells about his son Ronnie getting ready to go to kindergarten one day. Ronnie turned to his father and said, I think I'll be sad today. And his dad asked why, and he said, because when you're sad about something, the teachers take turns hugging you. When we're uncomfortable, we seek comfort, and that's what Isaiah 40 offers. Like a disobedient child being invited from the penalty box of her bedroom back to the family and to her mother's lap, Israel's penalty has been paid. The promise here is of God's comfort and redemption for both the northern and the southern kingdoms all of whom have been far from home and family, all of whom have been in the wilderness. In the wilderness, we have questions. We wonder, is God judging me? Is God punishing me for something I did or didn't do years ago? Am I here because I've been disobedient? Is God disciplining me like first Isaiah perceived God was disciplining the northern kingdom? And it's natural to ask those questions. And those questions help us probe our understanding of God. Isaiah points, to, points us again and says, Here is your God. Should we call him Isaiah the blaze? Your mighty God has the power to flatten mountains and smooth the rough places so that everyone is on an equal level. No more hierarchy. And then God speaks to all the nations. God's glory shines. Your mighty God turns bad things to good. And when people fail us, described as withering like grass and fading like flowers, your God is trustworthy and true. See, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. And yet, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them close to his heart and gently lead the mother sheep. The might of the world is not gentle. But that will wither and fade, Isaiah tells us, while the word of God stands forever. Truly, these are comforting words to those of us in the wilderness, waiting, watching, and desperate for consolation. Don Young Sr. wrote that, When their oldest daughter was old enough to understand what saving money was all about, he and his wife sat down and they explained the value of money. They explained how you save, and when the piggy bank is full, you take the money out and deposit it at the bank, and then you can draw interest. Their daughter seemed to understand, and so she was excited about opening a savings account in their local bank. They lived in a little town, and so Mr. Young called the banker and told them that their daughter was on her way to open a savings account and that they would stop in later and and sign the necessary papers. So the girl was thrilled, excited, and the president of the bank actually waited on her. She handed over her savings, and he gave her a receipt and thanked her for her business, and then she just stood there like she was waiting for something. Is there anything else I can help you with, he asked. Yes, she said, I want my interest. <coughs> well, don't we all? Well, we have to wait. But we don't have to wait passively. As we wait, we are active. When the two 12-year-olds and I were lost in the woods, we kept moving upstream in the direction that I thought the group had gone. We kept watching for the yellow blazes on the trees. We could have called out for help, but we weren't that scared yet. It was our Labrador, Houston, who helped find us and reconnect us with the group. I didn't have a map, but I had someone who knew me and wanted me back. Have you noticed that dog is God spelled backward? God knows us and wants us back. God has given us the foundation of prophecy, promise, and hope. Be comforted, you who are in the wilderness. God's gentle might is only the beginning of the good news. Repentance, confession of sins, and baptism are only the beginning of the good news, There is much more to come. Let's pray. Holy God, thank you for laying our foundations through the prophets, through John the Baptist, and eventually through Jesus. Help us to take time to reflect on our own foundations, how they have shaped us into who we are and how you continue to shape us into the people you call us to be. Guide us as we look back and as we look forward and as we wait. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.